0: In a city of 3 million, it could be easy to feel lost, to always be busy and online while never really being connected. 312, Park Near North's Young Adult Ministry, is focused on developing community and discipleship for young adults in Chicago. We'd love for you to join us, whether you're single, married, or dating, and take part in one of our monthly events or semi-annual retreats. build a community of fellowship that helps you grow in your relationship with jesus 312 knowing god and making god known in chicago and to the ends of the earth
1: awesome and so tonight we have uh, a range of experience we have um, a newlywed couple we have lisa who is single and what that looks like and we also have Um, another couple that has been married for a little bit longer so lots of wisdom from every spectrum tonight. I'm really excited Um, so similarly to how we structured the last uh, event we're gonna be talking through a set of myths and kind of debunking those from the biblical context of what that truly means so we have a list of five myths tonight that we're hoping to cover Uh, and talk through. And so I'll read off what all of those myths are first. And then what we're gonna do tonight is just spend some time uh, answering those and thinking through uh, having answers from the panel on what that looks like. And then we also know that many of you submitted questions that you're hoping to have answered from the panel as well. So we'll spend some time on that too and answering some of those. So the romance myths that we have tonight, which you also might be able to find on the papers on your table, are the first one, everyone has a soulmate. The second, if you're not actively dating or seeking someone, you are missing out. The third, the goal of a relationship is to maximize your happiness. The fourth is if you are single past a certain age, there is something wrong. And the fifth is having some doubts means that you are with the wrong person. So those are the myths we're gonna cover. There might be a few extras if we have some time, but do want to dive in with the first myth of everyone has a soulmate so panel i think john you're ready with an answer to start talking through so go for it
0: yeah um i actually was recently asked this in my small group one of the guys came up and was like you know how did you know that autumn was your one or your soulmate so to speak and the way like i answered it i said well you know what initially i didn't know she was my one You know, I knew that she had, like, really good character, she was wise, she had a servant's heart, Uh, she was beautiful. Um,
2: Keep coming. (laughs) Um,
0: But, like, to be honest, like, we didn't really feel, like, a lot of initial chemistry when we first met, and we didn't really feel, like, a spark or a connection, like, that took time to build. But I think it was over the course of those few weeks of just going on some first, second, or third dates, we began to see that. And so we're like, hey, the qualities are there. Let's date and let's do this thing. And then we got to know each other. Um, I proposed, and now we love each other very much. I love her, and now she is my one. So um, someone said this in my small group, and it sounds like a little cliche, but I think it's really true. It's like you know, for Christians, it's less about finding the one and more about like being the one. Um, And I don't know if you have anything else to add onto that.
2: Um, From my perspective, well, first off, I have no expertise in anything, so I'm just gonna share like my experience. Um, When I was in the dating scene, um, being an Asian American, I was open to sort of like any race, I thought, Maybe I would end up with an Asian person. Um, I definitely, maybe somebody with like dark hair, even. Like, I definitely was not expecting a blonde hair, blue eyed, red beard person, okay? And so when we first met and we started dating, it like took some time to get used to that. Um, so, Once we got past those things and realized that we have so many similarities and that our character and our beliefs and our goals are the same, like now I can't imagine my life without him. So it's this idea of a soulmate, it's crazy because from the Christian perspective, I feel like there could be many soulmates, honestly.
0: Yeah, that's a good point to end on. I think like God gives you a lot of freedom in who you date, right? And and, like for instance proverbs 31 is a great list of things to look for in either a man or a woman right um so you have a lot of freedom in who you choose to date you know god gives you guidelines but i think there isn't that just one person um out there i think that that's just a myth
3: yeah if i can just add one more thing i realized when um Trevor asked me to be on a panel that I actually had never looked up what the meaning of the word soulmate is. Um, they, I mean, and there's all kinds of definitions if you look it up. Um, but I think one thing that is for sure is it's not biblical. Uh, it is a, it's a cultural construct, right? It's a human construct. Um, so just looking at this myth on its face, right? Everyone has a soulmate. Um, first of all, that word everyone just disqualifies that myth because um, if you think about Paul in the Bible, um, the person who wrote that quintessential piece of scripture on marriage, right? Ephesians 5, um, was single, right? So just by virtue of that alone um everyone doesn't have a soulmate right and then what happens if we find someone get married and then um we get widowed right and you marry marry again is that a second soulmate right so just on the virtue of just the statement itself this myth it 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 does not um it's it's the answer is no. The short answer is no.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, all such good stuff around like what the process looks like if it's not a soulmate at face value because it's not real <laughs> or not right, but that there's the opportunity to grow into more of a partnership than a soulmate and what that looks like, which is great. And so moving on to the second myth we have... Um, If you're not actively dating or seeking someone,
4: you're missing out. I'll take a crack at that. Um, And I think actually it might go along with number four. Um, It's funny, kind of side note. I was uh, talking with some, well I probably shouldn't identify my coworkers, uh, but last week was talking to some coworkers and one of them found out how old I was and he's like, oh you're very well preserved for your age. (laughs) I was not offended. If you knew who said it, you wouldn't be either. You'd be like, par for the course. Anyway, uh, but if you're not actively dating or seeking someone, you're missing out. Well, I hope not because I have not been actively dating for a very long time. So if I'm missing out, I'm really missing out. Uh, but one of the things that that reminds me of, and, and actually had dinner with a young gal last night. I think she's in her mid to early 20s was in a dating relationship for a couple of years, and he just broke up uh, with her. And one of the things that she said is, you know, what I really realize is I've been putting my life on hold for when I get married. And so when I hear this question, I hear um, don't live your life like marriage is the end game because you will miss out, Uh, but live life now live where you can serve now travel now don't you know if you're gonna buy a condo buy a condo now i think we miss out when we don't we're not present to where god has us in this current season or seasons of life i think that's when you really miss out
0: yeah and I'll add to, like, let's be honest, like, the anxiety of being single season after season, if you're looking, is really real, right? Um, Autumn and I were just at a wedding last weekend, and, you know, I remember going back to my single seasons, like, attending those weddings, and, you know, that's rough when you're, like, the only single person there, they're having the happiest moment of their lives, and, and, like, every, all your friends are getting married and having kids, and, like, that can kind of be rough, right? Um, Kind of the thing that, like, we've gone to in our small group, too, because we've seen a lot of different life stages and that kind of same anxiety with different members, and it's like, you know, there is no magic bullet solution with, you know, that, that kind of thing, right? You can pray, I certainly hope you do, and you can invite the Lord in, you can even seek therapy, but it still might not go away. I mean, I think that the biggest thing you can cling on to is remembering, like, eternal perspective. Remembering what James says in chapter 4 of his book, his epistle, saying, like, you know, we are but a vapor. And so, like, when we get to the next life, if you're a follower of Christ, nobody's going to be looking back at the world and thinking, man, like, I'm sorry, like, I missed out on dating. I missed out on sex or I missed out on marriage, right? All of that's going to go away. Um, and we'll just be happy to be with God. So that's just would be my encouragement, is just to cling on to that. Um, it helped me during my time of singleness, and it's helped others.
2: Um, I would say I grew up in the church. So there are definitely times where I believed this myth. You know, everybody gets married so young, and dates so early, and everything. Um, and so, practically, whenever I would go to a wedding, single, come back single, go on a date, come back single, all these things, um, I just like drowned myself in like the word and just podcasts. Honestly, like tons of podcasts I would listen to. Like, if I would feel an inkling of like, oh, why am I so alone? Like, nobody loves me. All those things, I would just you know drown myself in like the word podcasts, like tons of good surround myself with friends and that's kind of what I did that helped me through those like sad lonely times.
1: Awesome. Anyone else answer this one? Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I think it brings just such a good point around just I love the idea of continuing to pursue the Lord now regardless of what that looks like from a romance perspective and that we can we are becoming who we're supposed to be regardless of relationship status, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, I think this kind of segues into the next myth, which is the goal of a relationship is to maximize your happiness. Um, Beth, Andrew, do you you two wanna start with
3: this one? This is one of those questions, if you've been married for a while, you'll laugh when you read it, like right away. (laughs) Um, I would say happiness is one of the byproducts of being married. Um, It is not the goal, right? Um, Christ is the ultimate lover of our soul, my soul, both my soul and Beth's soul. And that's where our our true happiness comes from. Um, Yeah, you can find happiness in marriage and you should be able to find happiness in a healthy marriage, but it's definitely not the goal of the relationship
5: yeah i (laughs) um, i would say a couple of things about that um if if you are saying that this the goal of a relationship is to be happy when you're going through a season where maybe you're unhappy does that mean your relationship is a failure no it it means you're going through a difficult season and you have to continue to cultivate that relationship um but i would also just say (laughs) i have a friend who loves to just say the goal of a marriage is not happiness it's holiness (laughs) um which you know it sounds very biblical and very um uh yeah theologically sound but in practice it's also very true um he always used to say i since being married i've learned so much more about myself (laughs) um than i have about my spouse um and that's just part of the great thing about um especially a biblical marriage, is you're constantly just trying to point each other to Christ and to um, just build each other up in that way. Um, And like you said, the byproduct of that can be happiness, um, but not without a lot of
3: work. Yeah, I I like what you said. Um, If you take this myth as truth, then you're setting yourself up to fail, for sure. Because happiness is not guaranteed. Like you said, there's going to be moments, right, where it's up and down. So in those moments, then, when there's no happiness, those seasons or days or hours, what does that mean? Is your marriage a failure then, right? Um, it's, yeah, again, no. <laughs> right,
1: because there's growing pains in all of those things. There's growing pains in becoming holy and what that looks like, and it's, I love that. I was... Um, Similar to them, I got married uh, not too long ago, and the vows, they don't say happiness in them. It's for better, for worse, which comes with all sorts of feelings. Uh, Anyone else, John, Autumn, anything else to add? there?
4: Happiness is very subjective as well, and something that you said, Andrew, like, like just, it really breaks down. Because if I'm in a relationship for my happiness, what is it automatically assumes it's a very selfish place to come from. And marriage is like Christ laid his life down. And so marriage is, and I'll say this as a single person because I still believe it, I can be single and and know this truth that marriage is very sacrificial. And so the moment that we go into any relationship saying, what can I get from it? We're already starting off on on the wrong foot. We're not looking through the right lens. It's supposed to be sacrificial. And also, too, I, I've heard, I've just had so many situations. Well, he just doesn't make me happy anymore. Well, guess what? He's not supposed to. That's actually not his goal. Your your joy is meant to come from your relationship with Jesus and your intimacy with Him, and the overflow of that is in your romantic relationships and friendships as well. So I just it, it's just it is such a cultural myth because the minute that you do something or say something that I don't like. Does that mean I get to walk away? No, God makes a covenant with his people and marriage is a covenant. And that means like through better or for worse, through when I want you to like live in the backyard for a while, you know, and I'm sure you guys are too young in marriage, but just, but just think about it. E- even if your, if your friend is like, Hey, I just don't want to be your friend anymore. Cause you don't make me happy you wouldn't be down with that. So it's the same thing with marriage. It's not for happiness, it is for holiness. And remember, it is sacrificial. We follow Jesus, relationship is sacrificial. And so, yeah, that just gets me all crazy. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, like what's the divorce rate nowadays in this country? Like 55, 60% and we're all told like you need to marry your soulmate and marry the person that makes you happy. And is it any wonder why it's so high when we're being like told that, Um, yeah.
4: I mean that would be a really crappy place to start marriages. Whoa, I'm gonna be walking on eggshells my whole relationship because if I do something that makes you not happy, you can ditch me. That that would I would not be okay with that. That's not no one wants that. We want we want to be loved and like our, our greatest desire is to be loved and deeply known. I think our greatest fear is to be loved and deeply known because it's like once you love me, are you sure you're gonna re- yes, I am sure because I made a covenant with you, because I am a follower of Jesus and jesus made a covenant with me and so i'm entering into covenant relationship and so it's just so different
1: uh, so moving on to this next myth number four if you are single past a certain age there is something wrong
4: they changed this question because originally it was your damaged goods i was like wait a minute i don't feel like i'm very damaged um. What, wait, what is it again? Oh, is something wrong with you? I don't know. I have things wrong with me, but I don't think being single doesn't make something. You, you, there's nothing wrong with you if you're single. I know it can feel like that. You can be like, oh, you you feel overlooked, or you know, I mustn't be this enough or that enough, but that's just a bunch of crap, if I can just say that. Um, you're not, like, there's nothing wrong with you if you're single. You can live, I am, li- okay, I'm 51. It's super weird to still say that. That's why someone said I'm well-preserved, which is really funny. Um, Botox-free at this point, but I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not, I, I am Botox-free. I plan on staying that way. Uh, anyway, is you know what? Have there have been times when I have longed for a relationship? Yes, but you know what? By God's grace, and I'm telling you, I'm going to sound like a total holy roller, and I am. Get your like, get in God's word. Like, let God's word transform your mind. If you're married, do that. If you're single, do that. You can live a very fulfilling life, and I know, like, longing and contentment, they can actually coexist. Like, you can still have a deep longing for relationship and you can still experience contentment but don't buy into the lie that there's something wrong with you because you can live a very fulfilling what do you say to someone who's been married for 30 years and their husband or spouse dies are they are they doomed for the next 20 years that they live so that's another cultural thing don't watch sappy romantic comedies You know, one thing that I do is I really, I do guard my heart and mind. There's certain music I won't listen to. There's movies I won't listen to because it's garbage in, garbage out. And so get yourself in the word of God. Hang out with people who love the Lord. You can have fun. Doesn't mean you have to be like boring, but you guard your heart and mind because when, when we let culture infiltrate our minds, we're going to start believing things that just are not true.
3: This is one of those. Sorry, go ahead.
5: ahead. I was just going to say, too, that I think when we frame it in this way, we have a problem culturally and we also have a problem sometimes within the church of making this idol out of marriage. And somehow if you're single, you're like in the minor leagues and then you're just waiting to get into the majors like it, it. it's not the end game. It's not the end goal of your life. If you're called to be single, that's God's place for you. If you're called to be married, that's where God has you. And no no matter what age that happens or doesn't happen, like there's, it's all in God's plan for you. Um, I think we sometimes also just want to kind of take the reins and take control away from God. And, and, and his word says, like, look at the lilies of the field and, you know, Solomon in all his splendor was not so beautiful. I I mean, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know exactly the the verse, but, you know, if God cares enough about the lilies of the field and about the animals and the birds to make sure that they're fed, like, how much more does he care about your life and his plan for your life? And so um, I think we just need to stop making this idol out of going out and pursuing relationship and pursuing marriage um, as if that's the end-all be-all of your life
3: yeah this is one of those myths, along with the second one, the one about actively dating or you're missing out it just just really breaks my heart because single people are whole complete people you're not missing anything um if in fact, if you read uh first Corinthians seven, where Paul talks about um singlehood and you are a complete person. In fact, in First Corinthians 7, it is the preferred status to be in, according to Paul. Um, so, yeah, the culture has really kind of inf- infiltrated the church and, and the way we see things. Um, but single people are whole, complete. They're not missing anything. And it's if that's what God God's called you to be, it's fantastic. So, yeah, this just breaks my heart that, you know, this is something that you know is is in you know in society
4: i just want to say something really quickly is marriage is a good thing like i'm single and i think marriage is awesome it's not a god thing it's not the ultimate thing and the other thing is um tim keller had a really good quote that i read a long time ago it said you may not think because you said something about the gift of singleness and people like i don't want that gift it's kind of like that christmas gift you get you're like no white elephant make it stop um but one one thing that uh, Tim Keller said is he said he, you may not think you have the gift of singleness, but you have the duty of it right now. And so you may not have the gift, but if you are single right now, like, that, that's where God has you. And so what does it look like to live well in that season or many seasons? Or, you know, it may be for the rest of your life. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, I just, I keep having this phrase pop in my mind of, like, Don't put the Lord in a box. Like, I think a lot of this is like, in society, there's this. We've been talking about this journey of there's what you're supposed to do, when, at what age, this is how, this is when, all of that stuff. And that's not just surrendering the plan to the Lord. I just keep hearing that. Um, So thank you all for that response. I really love that. Going to the last myth before we switch over into some of our open responses um, from all of you we have having some doubts means that you are with the wrong person. Anyone? Anyone?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, take a stab at this. <laughs> um, our men's small group too. Man, so many good stories from small group. But like, this has kind of come up, right? Where like, you know, guys are dating, right? And and they suddenly have these doubts well like i don't know if she's the one there it is again like i don't know if she's the one i I don't know like if this is it what if there are better options is I, i mean i'm committing to this for life like all this anxiety right and um like if there's not anything attached to that like a behavior that you and your community have called out as an issue, but it's just like a general anxiety. I mean, more often than not, that's like a sign that, uh, I I mean, that's probably just a fear of commitment, right? Like, and and sort of this grass is greener mentality. Um, Like, my old leader and mermaid had this really good quote. It's like, you know, if the grass seems greener, it's probably time to water your own. Well, that really stuck with me. So it's like if your anxieties aren't really attached to something, it might be a fear of commitment that you have to work through. And a commitment is essential for any marriage, no matter how compatible
3: or not compatible you
0: might seem. So that's what I would say.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll add that um, doubt is normal. Um, Doubt is, um, it's both a cognitive thing and it's also an emotion. And the fact that it's an emotion, it can't be 100% reliable because it kind of goes up and down. Um, So it is normal to have doubt. But I think I don't want to kind of gloss over the fact that if you have, like, repeated doubt, right, then maybe there might be a red flag or somebody you need to talk to, especially if you're married. Um, You might need to go for counseling or, or speak to someone if it's... If it's just a normal doubt that just kinda comes and goes, that's that's normal. Completely normal.
2: Um, can I do like the teacher thing and like can you raise your hand if you're married? Raise your hand if you're married in this room? Okay. And then raise your hand if you're dating or engaged. Okay, and then raise your hand if you're single. Okay. So first of all, everyone look around, you know, do it. All. <laughs> um okay so that's good to know that we're mostly speaking to like single people um yeah i would say this is like a myth i agree with that but also i mean when you're single and dating if you have some doubts yeah definitely bring in community because at the end of the day you're dating you're not married you're not gonna you're not tied to this person for forever so if there are red flags and your community agrees, then, you know, you can move on because you're dating, you know.
1: Yeah, before jumping into the open ended questions, is there any experience or story that any of you have had where community has been really vital for the doubt or trying to take away doubt or fear in relationships?
0: Um, Community was, like, really instrumental. Um, Previous to this, like, I was in a relationship that wasn't really good, um, and I was in it for the wrong reasons, and community helped me um, affirm my decision that I should break it off. And it was tough to do, but they were there encouraging me through that really hard time, and they were able to tell me, like, you know, these feelings, they're real and they're valid. Because sometimes feelings can be misleading, right? You know, feelings can indicate something valid. They can also be misleading. And they were able to validate that. And then something that they were also really helpful with is that they validated um, everything positive about Autumn. It was all green lights from them. And it was really helpful to have kind of that third-party feedback and knowing, like, okay, like, she's really solid. She treats others fairly well do you see any red flags with her? Nope. Uh, and then it was like, good to, uh, good to proceed on.
4: The only other thing I'll say about that is that if you are dating someone, you're finding yourself avoiding your community, you might want to do a check on that. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely make sure if you're dating that you, you're actually bringing that person around your friend group, et cetera. But if you find yourself isolating, I, that's a, that feels like a very red flag to me. And yeah, they, your community should know who you're dating and they can, you know, help give you spiritual wisdom as well.
2: I would also add to that, like for John and I, what really sped up our relationship is that for us, it was like so easy. I mean, like we knew off the bat that, you know, we were committed to a church, like we wanted to have kids, like all the things aligned. And we just, we had so much fun while we were dating, like we went on dates and we did all the like cliche stuff, whatever. Um, and where was I going with this? Just, it just, it just, it definitely felt right. And that's totally opposite from like my parents, I think of who they met in college. They're both Christian, um, they met in the church, but they like broke up and got back together like four times, okay. And now they're, they've been married for like over 30 years and they have five kids, you know, it worked for them. But for us, you know, it was easy, and we really didn't have that many doubts. And so I would encourage that for other people. Like, when it's aligned, it it definitely feels right.
5: I would just like to uh, put out there the other perspective of when you don't have community, um, because we have been, well, we're, About going on 12 years now (laughs) but those first few years um, we didn't have that Christian community we were barely saved (laughs) when we got married and it was it was a hot mess Um, just butting heads and we there was a couple that came to us um, the day after we got married and they sat down they said the best thing you can do is to find another couple that you trust to be able to sit down with both of you when you're having conflict and I, I wish we had taken that advice because um, just being able to have Christian community around you to give you that clarity. Because when it's just the two of you and you're in it and you're duking it out, it's all very emotional. It's all very subjective. Um, and you need that outside community to put things into perspective and to let you know when you're wrong, when they're wrong, and how let, help you and walk with you through working those problems out. Awesome. All right. So now we're going to move
1: into, now that we've debunked some myths, we're going to go into some questions that we got um, online. So the first one I'm going to ask is when, uh, let's see here. (laughs) Okay. Good questions to ask when dating to learn if that person would be equally yoked to you without getting too deep emotionally and spiritually with someone who isn't your spouse yet? How do you go about some of those conversations or what are some um, ways that you kind of discern what to say or questions to be thinking about in going through the dating process?
4: I will start, sorry, I'm gonna hog the microphone. Um, it is never too early to figure out where someone's at. I, you know, if, when I, I haven't been on a date in a very long time, I'm very well preserved, um, but anyway, in many ways, so, but I'll, you know what, call me a weirdo, I will, I will find out on the first, even before I go out, that there's been times in the past I've done online dating, haven't done it in a while, it's very exhausting, it's just not my thing, if it's for you, great. I know some of you probably met that way, but even if you're online dating, you can ask questions, like, hey, what's your typical routine on a Sunday? If you are like, galls, okay, if they're, if they, you can ask, questions that don't sound like weird holy roller questions and see how someone responds so my you know get to know if someone is not if you listen if you are a follower of jesus you do not want to be starting a relationship hoping that someone else is going to eventually become a follower of jesus or follow jesus as much as as you do just don't go there it does it does not i wish i could line up all of the women that i know who dated non-believers thinking that they were going to be able to like turn them into a believer and how their marriages are very difficult and there's just animosity and bitterness and so i just want to tell you please if you are a follower of jesus the best relationship you can be in is none or one with someone who loves and follows jesus and find out early and you can do it in a non-creepy way if you want me to help coach you on that i'm happy to do it but
2: you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble let me tell you I would say to the person who asked that, like you probably already know, um, I, I have two stories, so it might be a while, but um, before Dating John, I had downloaded Hinge and went on the span of like five first dates in the span of one month, so it was like very exhausting, um, and I had vetted this one guy out my go-to is actually like, Oh, what do you do on a Sunday? Like that used to be my go-to. And if they didn't say church, I was kind of like, okay, he didn't say church. So, um, but one time I was messaging with this guy, he, he said church and then, um, like he had Christian. So we went on a first date and I was like, Oh, like, what are you reading through right now in your Bible? And his response was, Oh, like, I don't really believe in the Bible like I'm I'm really into like other books and other things like that. And I was like, oh, but you know, you said like Christian on your profile. And he's like, yeah, but like, I, I am a Christian, but like, I'm not really into the Bible. Okay then. Um. So that's my experience with that. And yet with John, we met for the first time at like a bar in River North and we ended up sharing our testimonies like on the spot. So, I mean, you know when you know. And you know who's lukewarm. And if, if you're lukewarm, you're going to attract other lukewarm Christians. And if you're on fire for God and want to live a missional life, then that's who you'll seek out, and that's who you'll find, honestly.
4: Free, but another question you ask is, hey, what role does faith play in your life? I'm just curious. That's not a creepy question. Is he? hey, what role does faith play? Faith? What are you talking about? he starts playing George Michael, that's not the right answer.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. So we have a few more minutes, so I want to try to get to a few more questions. Um, so the next one is, how important are physical preferences uh, when finding a Christian spouse?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that, because, like, you know, I, especially for men, I think a lot of men, can be fixated on this kind of thing, and women too. And you know what, I'll start by saying this, I don't think that there are necessarily anything wrong with having preferences per se. I mean, honestly, like everybody has their preferences, right? I I just think that the issue becomes when those preferences become your idols, right? So um, if you're, you know, like for instance, the Bible lists a lot of things about character and wisdom, and if they have a heart of service, it doesn't really mention anything about how they have to look or what kind of money they make or what their career is. And so, you know if you find yourself really fixated and picky on those things and it's just like date after date after date, year after year after year and and you can't find anybody, I mean, maybe that could be your cue that you're being too picky. And, And that might be your cue like, hey, I might need to step back a little bit and just spend some time in reflection and maybe in prayer with God and say like, God, you know, why am I not attracted to the things that you are attracted to? Why am I having such an issue with that? Like, is it, you know, the influence of social media culture? Is it pornography? You know, what's feeding into that? Right. Um, so, um, nothing wrong with preferences, but let's just, you know, th- there's a lot more to a person that God says that are important.
3: Amen. Very well said, John. Um, I would also add just if you play the long game, just think down the road. Um, appearances don't always remain the same. Um, then uh, what are you left with, right? There's got to be something deeper than that, Um not even just appearances changing, even you know, if you've been married a few years and you're dealing with a real life issue, and you, you're uh, with a partner who does not have the character to kind of help you weather that storm, it's not gonna matter how hot they are in that moment. Um, you, you're gonna need a person with character, right? Um, so the question is is a good question. I mean, it is. I agree. It is important, but is on what scale are you putting that on, right? And like John said, don't make it an idol.
1: Awesome. I want to get to one more question because we had there was a theme around, um, per usual, physical boundaries. What's too far? What's what's good? What's not? And all all of that is in here. <laughs> um, so. Does anyone have any advice on kind of what that looks like how to be wise um, in those decisions and those actions
4: i will say that uh, most often the question we ask is how long how close can i get to the line without going over rather than how what does holiness look like and that's a totally different reference point that's a totally different mindset is what does it look like to be holy, like God calls us to holiness in all of our lives, not just in romantic relationships, in every area of our life. So it's not how close to the line can I get without going over, but how close to God and how in alignment with holiness. And that we can't do it on our own in our flesh. It's not easy. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and so we have the Holy Spirit that helps us uh, in our in our holiness as well. And so um, the other thing I would say is, you know, the, the word says, honor one another above yourself. And so what does it look like to honor the person that you are in a dating relationship in all ways, but physically as well? What does it look like to honor that person and hold like, to the highest level of value and respect and integrity? I think those are really important things to think about.
0: Yeah, um, I've heard pastors say a number of different things and like make a bunch of rules in the past, like, oh, like, you shouldn't be at a person's house past 10 o'clock. I heard once, like if you're watching a movie, you need two feet on the ground at all times. And like, and like some pastors even say you shouldn't even kiss before your wedding day. So it's like, you know, what is it, right? And so while I think those things come from a good place, you know, like take that to the extreme, you know, some churches, unintentionally kind of create this legalistic purity culture so you know i don't know if this panel can prescribe you know um, rules for the gray areas to you as a couple right Um, i i think that if you as a couple pray through and and seek in your conscience you know like what is god honoring and if you're making the rules based out of a love and a fear for god and thinking like hey god like you know i respect and love you above anything else and i'm going to trust what you say that's why we're making these rules and i would say that's the right motivation if you're making the rules to please a pastor or to see like how much you can game the system and like see how far you can push it or if you're trying to contribute to any sort of a purity culture thing then i would say that's for the wrong motivation right and and those things aren't the gospel right we don't do things to follow rules, you know, we, we sanctify, we come, become sanctified because um, the spirit's in us and that we love God first. So that's what I would say.
2: Um, I'm just gonna share it. Um, But I would also add um, early on in our relationship, I mean, part of being equally yoked, I guess, was that we had that conversation like early on, on our second date, like, okay, what boundaries, like, do we want the same goal? And, you know, the last fruit of the spirit that nobody talks about is self-control. And so what both John and I prayed for individually that really helped us is, like, Lord, give us self-control. Like, give us self-control to not eat the chocolate cake and give us self-control to not fall into temptation. Um, Instead of focusing on, like, the no, 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 we focus on, like, make us into somebody pleasing to you. Um, And, you know, we definitely slipped up. At times and we would have to come together repent we prayed about it but when we got married and when we got married recently that was like our wedding night was the first time that we you know had sex for the first time Um, but and it was um, like I don't like using the word messy because that's weird but like it was just not smooth it was like very awkward and uncomfortable but honestly at the end of the day it's fine because we're married now so it doesn't even matter you know and it's just such an intimate experience that our dating relationship helped honestly glorify it almost in a way because we were honoring in that way so um, yeah I would say just practically pray for self-control if you are dating and if you're single still pray for self-control for when you're in a relationship
1: all right well oh go for it please um
5: i just wanted to add in um i like what lisa said just about we're always wanting to push that boundary of how far can we go um, and we want to know where that line is and i think we need to remember that first of all god's looking at our heart so it's not about like oh you you touched this person in a way that was inappropriate it was like it's like no what was your heart and what was your motivation behind doing such thing and i also just want to say like sexual sin is not exclusive to single people <laughs> like you can be married and still involved in sexual sin um whether it's pornography or even between you and your spouse if you are not honoring god with your sex life um it, you know it yeah, it's, it's not just exclusive to, um, you know, sex outside of marriage. And so you always just need to check your heart and, and be constantly asking yourself, like, is this glorifying and honoring my flesh or is this honoring to God? And is this honoring the covenant that he's placed us in together? Um, and I just want to plug, um, Lisa introduced a lot of people in the church to Julie Slattery. Um, She's got some fantastic podcast um, around sex and sexuality, and she just always has such great wisdom um, when it comes to the idea of um, purity culture, as you mentioned, and just what biblical sexuality looks like. So I would encourage you to check that out. This is coming to mind for me, but like
4: women respond to like physical touch and oftentimes can mistake love for sex. Like, So dudes don't take advantage of that, please. I just implore you. If, if you're like, that is not a way to show love to a woman, even though a woman may think that that's how sometimes we get a little twisted. We think, well, if he comes on to me or if he makes an advance or whatever, he he loves, it's not the same. And I just feel compelled to say, yeah, if a, if a girl's giving you signals that way, she really, really, what she really wants is her soul to be deeply loved, and sex is not that. So please, and, and one thing too, when you talk about Proverbs 31, women, I kind of bristle a little bit, because she's got all these qualities she has to be. Where's the dude in that? But one part of Proverbs 31 that I love, that I think is awesome, miss uh, is, is missed, is um, her husband is respected at the city gate. And so what I would men in the room, and there's so many men in here that I respect, uh, be, the, be the man that is respected at the city gate. Be the man who it, it is, like, respects everyone, but respects especially the person that you may be in a relationship with, and that is what's gonna make you a really awesome dude. Love the Lord first, of course, but act in a, like a respectful, honoring way um, is would, would be my as your older sister. I could be your mother too, probably if you're in your 20s, but I won't go there. I just did. Go
3: ahead. Amen.
4: No, awesome.
1: <laughs> great. Well, let's give it up for our panelists. This is a really great discussion. Thank you all so much.